So it's kind of the place of where you finally get to a point or it's like, oh, I know and I see and I can't unknow and I can't unsee. It felt a little bit like that with queerness. And it's not like I had some specific experience in breath work where I was like, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but more of like, I have this practice of being with my body and of moving that energy and feeling those feelings. And through that, I just slowly peel back layer after layer after layer that I've accumulated over like myself and my truth and who I really am. And so over time, it's like, yeah, I feel like practices like breathwork have helped reveal myself to me and my queerness is absolutely part of that. Welcome to the Raw and Wild Hearts, a place where the raw, the unfiltered, the wild hearts gather to celebrate triumphs and hardships, learn from each other, grow together, and break down a culture rooted in fear. We will talk, we will laugh, and we will lean on each other about everyday life experiences that we could all use a little support through, and then we'll bask in the wild, magical beings that we are. My philosophy is that by embracing the dark, we may just let in the light. I am your host, Lori Rising, healer, educator, writer, adventurer, retreat leader, birth defender, and animal enthusiast and activist, along with my wild heart sidekick kitty, Jesus the Brave. We'd like to invite you to get excited about the wild heart revolution. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. It's called Embodiment and Bravery with Erin Johnson. I really wanted to share a conversation that highlights Pride Month, which we just wrapped up in June. Courage, bravery, and the unfolding journey of boldly being who we came here to be. And wow, does this one ever do that? We talk about religious trauma, harmful messages, shame, familial attachment, higher consciousness practices, embodiment, healing through art, the immense benefits of breath work, and more. Oh my gosh, y'all, there is something so dang exciting in this episode that I'm keeping in a surprise for now, but oh, I can't wait for you to hear it. Oh, it's so good. If you know me, you know that I'm working with divine timing all the time. And this conversation is absolutely the ultimate expression of it in its greatest display. hey Okay, so thank you for being here and sharing in these stories, experiences, and life wisdoms. If you're new here, welcome to the Wild Heart Revolution. So stoked to have you. There are several ways to work with me if you're resonating with this vibration that I'm sharing. You can check out my website and sign up for my newsletter. I have several freebies and inspirations in there, including a five-week living pain-free challenge and guides to living in your wild, beautiful heart. I also have an off-the-hook Awakening Your Life Force retreat coming up in November in Mexico, my home away from home. I love it so much and I miss it dearly. So this is the perfect way to reconnect. I've been cultivating a higher dimensional experience you would only believe when you experience it. 
So make sure to check in with yourself and see if that's something that your soul is craving and ready to experience at this time. I also have two very beneficial recordings coming out this month that will wildly support your health, your innate wisdom, and your higher consciousness alignment. Lastly, I do offer online soul expansion sessions that include over 20 years of practice in holistic health and spiritual living. I'm just feeling so giddy about all this. I do hope you jump in somewhere, but this podcast is the perfect place to be as well. So if you're getting support from these conversations, I would love your star rating, review, and subscription on whatever platform you listen to. So yeah, to check all that out, go to therawandwildhearts.com or just click on the link below in the show notes. Before today's episode, let's just chat real quick about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If you feel like telehealth therapy is the format that supports your mental health needs, they are absolutely here for you. I truly believe and embody a holistic approach to alignment, and that includes my talk therapy sessions, as well as a lot of the practices we talk about in today's episode. I just love the accountability of engaging in therapeutic tools like this, but also having a supportive and objective sounding board can reflect things that may be buried deep within our subconscious. We are living in wildly intense times and changes, and I will tell you that having a therapist to navigate them for integration is key to magnetizing the potentials even quicker. BetterHelp has thousands of therapists to get matched with according to your specific needs. They have several financial plans to choose from and make it super easy to change therapists at any time. If you want to join the millions who have chosen BetterHelp for their mental health support, you get 10% off as a Wild Heart Warrior when you go to www.betterhelp, that's H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash raw and wild hearts or just scroll on down and click the link in the show notes it's always there for your reference okay on to today's episode Erin Johnson is a queer healing artist and poet who facilitates trauma-informed breath and energy work to help you embody yourself especially after religious trauma She is also the host of the Living Open podcast, a storytelling project intended to support folks on their healing journey. Please welcome Erin Johnson. Hello, Erin. Thank you for joining the Wild Heart Revolution. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes, this is so exciting. We were just talking about how we're both podcasters and what a special relationship that is, even in our first connection. Yeah. Always love talking with other podcasters. <laughs> yes. Unspoken language, um, which I love in so many ways, but I do like to start with a toaster, a prayer to the wild heart warriors in our light, especially our dark and in all of our magic and glory. May we continue to elevate consciousness through honesty, humor, humility, gentle care, soul wrenching growth and ownership and to us, and to embodied and brave living. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yay. Embodied and brave living. Yeah. Cheers. That (laughs) one's just for you. And this is my cacao. (laughs) Throwing some intentions in that with my breath. All of these things are coming together (laughs) for us. But yeah, um, the the last part of the prayer is always specifically... 
created for my guest. And let me tell you, Erin, I took a deep dive into the well of what you've got going on yesterday. And it was wild. It took me on a very emotional, personal journey, which Mm -hmm. I want to honor you for. It's pretty incredible what you're putting out into the world. And um, I feel really blessed that we have this connection today to talk about it. Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it, too. I'm just going to start with the parallels in our lives are off the charts. They are wild. So I'm going to give people a little rundown here. We both grew up in religious homes. I actually went to a Catholic school Mm -hmm. all the way through high school, and we both do breath work and trauma informed healing as healing artists. We both have had quite a wild ride through our sexual identity. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like, I want to say journey, but path uncannily similar with our older siblings as well. Yeah. So yesterday when I listened to your podcast, I think it was called sexuality and something else that it was just a solo podcast from you. Is that right? You did go in the well. That one is old. (laughs) I did. I did. And I found out some things about how your path has continued to kind of mold and adapt and shape and be flexible, which is super exciting. So there's so much for us to get into. Let's talk about your podcast a little bit. It's called Living Open. You have had some bomb guests like (laughs) amazing. I mean, Chani Nicholas. Sarah Faith Gottesteiner. Is that how you say your last name? Gottesteiner. Mm-hmm. Gottesteiner. Lindsay Mack. I mean, I could go on and on. It's amazing. <laughs> so give us a little bit about how that came to be in the evolution of living open. Yeah. Thank you for that question. The podcast has evolved so much. And I think of it as a project, like a very heart-centered project. And I think something about thinking of it that way feels like, oh yeah, this is something that's always an evolution that is forever incomplete, that is changing as I'm changing because it's so much a reflection of me, like the conversations I'm having and the people I'm attracted to inviting on, all of those things that like have changed so much as I have changed so much through the past, like it's been almost five years of hosting the podcast now. So congratulations. That's amazing. You. Five okay. years in August. <laughs> yes, queen. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So um, I think that a lot has changed about the show. And at the same time, the name still fits so much because living open to me is so much about being present and meeting yourself and meeting other people where they are. And it's about vulnerability and it's about leading with your heart and it's about leading with your curiosity and uh, all that still feels true, even though it maybe meant something really different to me in the beginning and through the years, like it really still fits now. And I don't know, I think having like vulnerable conversations, like the ones I try and have on my show and like the ones that I think you do too, can be so powerful because it's so much less about like trying to teach people something or tell people something to do and just about like embodying and sharing and opening and letting that be witnessed and you never know what somebody's gonna get from that like you never know how it's gonna help somebody or change somebody's life or just make somebody feel seen and I love that Mm, I love this evolution of really moving out of this linear institutional based learning 
into experiential learning. You know, when we share our experience, that's, it's how we came in to learn. We were supposed to learn through stories being handed down and magical. Oh, oh, P.S. I forgot to say we're both magical AF as well. Like (laughs) that's that's probably the most important piece out of the whole evolution. (laughs) Back in many community-based living places, shamans or medicine people of the group would have young girls tell stories when they were menstruating because that is such an intuitive and psychic time, especially through their dreams. Like how incredible is that? That just gives me goosebumps when I think about that, because that's really the activation of full divine feminine. And we can't have balanced living from unconditional love until we have the balanced energies of the divine feminine and sacred masculine, no matter what gender or identity we feel in the moment. Yeah. And stories are so powerful and they're so much less about coming from a place of like, you know, I am an expert and I have something that you need and so much more about like, this is just what's true and what feels alive in that for you. And what does that mean to you and bring up for you? Um, And that feels like so much more interesting of a way of engaging with life and with other people to me than anything else. Right. Reflection work. It's funny. I just put an Instagram post out about reflection work this morning Mm -hmm. and how it is mesmerizing and probably the most powerful tool we have in Mm -hmm. our healing journey. I feel like you are so multifaceted like I am in many ways. And this story is going to be this beautiful weaving together of very vast life experiences. So I don't know where you want to start. (laughs) If you want to start at the beginning, if you want to start, you know, because you work with religious trauma and that Mm -hmm. really piqued my interest because I have been undoing religious programming probably for lifetimes. Quite honestly, I feel like we're in a karmic reckoning right now for lifetimes. Our subconscious is a very, very powerful part of us. And we don't even realize how deeply the messages are that we're taking in. So if you want to start with that, maybe we can weave up from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so true how hard it is sometimes to even recognize and understand what's actually happening underneath the surface and in our subconscious. And I'm still finding things all the time that I'm like, oh, yep, that actually comes from religious trauma as well. Oh, that's still in me. Oh, how interesting. Um, And yeah, like you said, I grew up in religion. I grew up in Southern Baptist Christianity, and I would call it now evangelical Christianity, but those weren't words that I was using or people were using at the time. Um, I didn't go to Christian school, but uh, I'm very lucky for that, actually. But my younger siblings did. Um, And Christianity was just like still is the culture of my family. Like there isn't separation between what is Christianity, what is the religion and what is my family. It's all woven together and it's like inseparable, which I think makes it feel really hard and even more difficult to untangle the threads for myself and to deconstruct in general from that belief system. And yeah, I started to really question Christianity and I was like a baby raging feminist in middle school. And I was like, hmm, something here is not aligning. And yeah, by the time I was like getting into later teen years, I was just figuring out oh, I don't actually think that's true. I don't actually believe that. I don't actually feel that. I actually, that doesn't feel alive to me. It feels like 
pretend like I'm pretending to feel something when I'm praying or like hearing these stories that everyone else seems to be so affected by and they're so resonant and it actually doesn't feel that way at all for me I feel like I'm acting and I kind of rejected that belief system and all belief systems like there wasn't anything that came in to take its place and it was also a secret you know I lived with my parents still at the time I was a kid and um, I didn't feel safe like talking to them about those things for a lot of reasons and I think I was really right about that Um, and I sort of started to come into a different way of relating to spirituality and my own spiritual practice through finding yoga and meditation in college. And that was my entry point into a non-dogmatic spirituality and the idea that like, oh, spiritual connection doesn't have to look this one way or be this one thing or come with all these rules or dogma or like needing to convert people or the belief that it's universally true. I can actually just have a personal and quiet and peaceful spiritual connection and I don't have to actually explain it to other people and it can just be for me so that was pretty revolutionary and from there I really connected with witchcraft and I really connected with a wide variety of different practices like breathwork you talked about we both um, work with and yeah it's continues to be a reclaiming (laughs) and continues to be a healing and like I said there's more things all the time that I'm working with and figuring out because I think one of the things that's so insidious about religious trauma when you get it in this way like being raised in the religion um is that it's so deep it's like it's childhood wounds it's part of attachment with our parents it's like it is complicated and it's messy and it's in our bodies and sometimes it's deeper than we know And so it's, yeah, it's no joke to journey with that and journey with that healing. I love that you just brought in the familial connection because there really is no separation when that is your family's practice. And that is like their core belief without any kind of fluidity to it. I heard you say this on your podcast yesterday and you said, I deeply want love from my family. I I deeply crave that love from my family. And so it becomes really hard to navigate where that separation lies or where the vulnerability with my family lies. It was so wild as you're talking. I'm like, yeah, when I was a kid, I remember because I want to, I have so much faith in me. I have so much belief in me, but I was born believing in our divinity. I knew that we were magical. I knew that we were not even tapping our potential as a child. And, um, I remember being in church and I tried so hard. Like I prayed my face off, right? I was singing as loud as I could. I was saying all the words. I mean, I still, it's all still in my memory right? Like every single prayer is etched into my memory and I would have body reactions. Like my body would reject it because it just didn't feel right. It, like you said, it didn't sing to me, you know, my, it didn't feel alive to me. And then it started feeling really repressive. And I was like, wait a second, I'm, I'm a female, I'm a woman. And I feel like this is not, 
I can do anything. Right. And the language that I was hearing was that I was here for a very specific purpose and that purpose only. And so that just really started my evolution. And it was when I went to college that I started, I exploded into all kinds of religions. I took every religion class I could Mm. just to like understand how everyone believes something different and how it can be so magical and beautiful. And it can be such a positive thing, but I didn't ever see it as a positive thing because it felt really repressive. Like it was the only thing that was out there. It was the only belief and it just didn't ever make sense to me. So I really appreciate the way that you spoke of that, but I'd like to start to weave in, you know, the way that you came into your sexual preference and identity. And I hate to even put a stop on that because I think that that's constantly evolving, but these two pieces, I feel like are really powerful in what you're presenting, um, you know, for people. Yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. Like my journey with my queerness is also so (laughs) completely woven in with my experience with religion, because I knew from a really young age that I liked girls. I remember being in elementary school and knowing that. And then at the same time, like gaslighting myself and being like, um, everyone feels that way. And also no one can ever know. And you can never, ever say that out loud or tell anyone. I think those were common things that I told myself. Everyone feels that way. You're still straight, which comes so much from the church. And what I learned in my church was that, um, being queer, being gay is, First of all, a choice because no one is actually gay because that's wrong and God doesn't make people gay. So it's a choice and it's a sinful choice. Um, It's not actually something that you inherently or innately are. And um, that to, yeah, that to choose that is wrong. And I also learned um, that that's a part of myself that I really needed to cut off and hide from myself. So I did, I did my very best (laughs) to do that. I tried really hard. So I was like, everyone feels that way. I'm still straight because being gay isn't even a real thing. It's just something I can decide or not decide. But yeah, working with that, as I was just growing up, I just really felt like I wanted to be like everyone else and I wanted to fit in. And if no one can ever know this about me, then that's like such a tight shame place, you know, like I, held a lot of shame around queerness and also we're working within not just religion but also larger patriarchy and how patriarchy is part of religion and heteronormativity and compulsory heterosexuality and all these things are combining for me to really not honor what's true for me for a really long time. I didn't start unpacking that and really claiming queerness and at the time bisexuality for myself until I was 24. That's not that long ago. (laughs) And so I spent decades after I knew really telling myself like, that's not true for you um, or that doesn't matter. And my journey continues to evolve with queerness and especially this year has been a huge unpacking and transition and falling away for me as I realized, oh, I'm not actually bisexual. I'm actually a lesbian and I'm in a relationship with a man that's not working for me. 
and I need to end this relationship of a long time. Oh, and I'm also in love and have this new relationship and this new partner. And um, yeah, I feel a little bit like I died and was reborn in this year through that specifically with my sexuality and my identity. And I feel... I feel a bit scared of how far I got from myself through that entire process. And I don't blame myself for it because I'm like, yeah, it's me. And it's also all these other things that we're talking about that are forces and systems that are much bigger than I am um, that didn't want me to figure out my queerness, that never wanted me to trust myself or to trust my desire or to exist in any way outside of like a heteronormative script. And so I'm holding all the things around that, including grief. There's definitely grief there and there's anger there. Um, And that's just like part of the story for me. And at the same time, I feel the most alive I've ever felt and I feel so free. So it's all here. It's a big, (laughs) it's a big mixture this year and in this moment that you're getting me in. I love it. I love it all so much because I think it's important for us to realize that we can be grieving and we can feel joy. I love the way that you are literally sharing this unfolding with the world. I think that that's really incredible, that level of vulnerability and intimacy that you're inviting people into to actually feel that process with you. Where did you find that bravery and courage within yourself to open your journey up and you're unfolding up for others to experience as well. Hmm. I think it just feels like telling the truth to me. Um, And it's not that I feel like I have to share every single thing that I'm like thinking about or going through experiencing with the internet and the world, which I definitely don't do. (laughs) But um, there is just this sense of like, I just want to tell the truth and I want to speak to what's true for me. And I always think about the ways that I've felt so seen and the moments where I felt so um, connected to something that someone shared and specifically in regards to sexuality and queerness. Um, that's a lot of where I, what prompted reflection for me was hearing other people's vulnerability and hearing about other people processing these things and their stories. And so I think it feels good to be part of that conversation. And it just feels like, what else am I going to talk about? This is all I'm thinking about. Like, this is all that's here. It's everything. Like, I'm not going to share something that I don't care about or that doesn't feel true when something feels like so big and so alive and present. And the idea of sharing about it feels good and feels connective. Um, so I think that's a bit of what it is for me. It's like, do I feel like I have to share or do does it feel actually like really expansive and good to share? And when it feels expansive, then yeah, I want to. And there's so much that goes into that. I mean, you have a podcast too, obviously. And so maybe this is something you think about, but just like cultivating um, capacity to be seen and capacity to be vulnerable and share your voice in this like larger way. I think I've also been doing it for a really long time. And so it feels maybe more natural now than it did in the beginning. And I remember absolutely there being like way more fear then. But I think now there's just more comfort and more acceptance for me of like, 
I don't know. Yeah. Maybe someone isn't going to like something that I say and that's okay. Like the most important thing I can do with my life isn't to be liked all the time by everyone, which I'm a Libra. So like part of me really wants that. (laughs) And like, it's okay to just, you know, say what's true. I don't have to always keep it polished or be always thinking about what other people want to hear from me. That's part of it too. Well, and I want to thank you because I am, I believe that you are touching so many lives and Mm -hmm. really helping people find their bravery and courage within their life as well. Thank you. Such a sweet reflection. I appreciate it. Oh, that, I mean, (laughs) I reflected so hard yesterday. There was a point where I had to check out. I was like, okay, (laughs) I need to check out for a couple hours because this is like pretty wild, you know? And when someone can take you on your own personal journey through theirs, I think that is really probably the most magical healing that we can share together as a collective. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's always the dream, you know, (laughs) it's not like, yeah, it's about like, what does it open up for you and how does that make you feel? And does that prompt a curiosity or a question or a lingering like, Ooh, that feels true for me. And like, what is it about that, that I want to explore more? Oh, curiosity just feels so yummy. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like we, for so long, our culture was trying to shut that down or has been shutting it down for thousands of years. And it feels so good for it to just like be, I feel like it's just like flowers just blossoming all over the place. And I love it so much. And also something you said, I wanted to touch on where you said that you went through a rebirth this year. And I think it's important to realize that in these human lives, I feel like we go through deaths of ourselves constantly, but sometimes we just haven't allowed the room for that. And so when we actually look at that, like, this is okay. Like this can, this part of me can kind of be reborn and I can do anything. I can be anything. I don't have to stay in this box. When you talk about that dying piece, I think it's so important. And I know like I resisted this death for a long time and I have resisted other deaths in my life too. And it is hard to go through that process. Like there's a reason we don't want to. (laughs) And then every time when I actually let myself move through it, whether I'm like clenching so hard or like clinging and I'm like really having a hard time with it. But every time on the other side, it's like, oh, I'm scared of what would have happened if I didn't let myself go through this because where I am now is just where I need to be. Like it's so much more expansive and alive and it's easier to go through the death. I think when we can remember that and when we keep doing it and keep remembering that, but it's, it's really hard. Yeah. And I love the thought that's really coming out. I think on a large scale right now about how when we fully allow ourselves to drop into that shadow work, that's where we actually experience the most soul expansion. It's not when we're feeling aligned and in the vortex and in the flow, that's not the expansion of our soul where we find that bravery to do the deaths and rebirths. And so I think the more that we even light up, like how beautiful the shadow work is, the less we might fear it, especially when we feel it from the collective, which is exactly what you're doing with your podcast and the way that you're sharing this journey and unfolding. 
Yeah, it's so important. And I think about that a lot. I wrote a post about this the other month or the other week, whenever. I was just like, we, and I feel this in myself too, like we want to get to that other side of like the expansion and the beauty and all that all that comes on the other side of that death without going through the actual death. Like we want to like skip that part and get to the rebirth and the butterfly and the flowers and all that. And it's gorgeous, but it's like, we, we don't actually, it's not real. We don't actually get there without it. It's all part of the process and yeah, resisting that part of it makes things extra hard for ourselves. I think circling back to us being magical AF, let's talk (laughs) about uh, the tools that you use. I call them higher consciousness practices. What are some of your practices that you really engage in to move through and drop into the shadow work so that you can get to that expansion and that rebirth? Yeah. Um, a big part of the practice for me is working with my body part of healing from religious trauma for me has been and continues to be reestablishing a relationship with my body and reconnecting with my body reclaiming my body and um yeah my body has so much to talk to me about and so many feelings that are there and it really really communicates um and dropping in with that and continuing to drop in with that all the time is big practice for me like that's how I actually know what I need to do that's how I connect with my actual knowing it's not like from my brain space it's from really sitting with what is right and what isn't right in my body and so I'm very grateful for that practice (laughs) and to have that access and I'm like continuing to grow that access all the time um Poetry is also a big practice for me, Uh, the writing of it and the letting myself be moved by the reading of it. I think so much about how making art helps us know our truth and transmute and heal and understand what we're working with. Like I can read poems that I wrote last year now and it feels so clear of what I was reflecting and working with and what I needed to pay attention to it was all coming out in those poems and that's such a way to process and to yeah make art from like the wounded places for me feels really powerful and breathwork of course is a practice that I adore and feel so grateful for and that's part of that connection with body that's part of feeling my feelings that's part of accessing my knowing intuition or whatever you want to call it um Breathwork is also an outlet for me to just be with what is. I think maybe that's the thread through all of the practices. It's like they help me be with what is here. (laughs) And it's hard to do that sometimes because sometimes I'm trying really hard to not be with what's here because I know it's going to fuck me up and it's going to be really hard and I'm going to have to like do something about it. I might have to change my life. Um, but practices that continue to orient me towards the present and orient me towards what my experience is in the moment, in my heart, in my body are the most supportive ones for me. Let's get more into the witchy stuff. Are there any like rituals that you do on a daily basis that keep that higher consciousness flow happening for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Witchcraft is such a big practice for me. Um, I do work with tarot. I don't use Oracle cards too much, maybe occasionally, but I just prefer tarot cards, personal preference. Um, 
And I go through phases with everything. So I'll go through periods like months, maybe where I pull a tarot card every day and that feels really nourishing and supportive. And then I'll go through times where I don't pull cards at all for a few months and then I get back in the flow with it. And I think part of what feels so beautiful and healing about witchcraft is like, there are no rules and I have the freedom to ebb and flow as feels good when I'm checking in with myself with whatever practices feel like they would meet me in the moment and serve me where I am. So, but practices that feel really consistent for me are uh, pleasure and every morning uh, sitting at my altar and lighting a candle and reading some poems out loud. That feels like a really sweet check-in space for me and that just like um, connects me with the day that I want to have in the sense of like I'm checking in with myself and I'm connecting with beauty and art and I get to feel something here and I'm just like taking this moment of honoring myself and what's present and that feels really beautiful and Pleasure is such a practice that I connect with witchcraft in a big way. Witchcraft really taught me that pleasure is okay and that pleasure matters. And you might know this quote that I love so much from witchcraft, but that all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. And I feel like that's a foundational value that I have and belief I hold in my life and in my witchcraft practice. And so, yeah, orienting towards pleasure as witchcraft and as a way of healing and connecting with myself and that can mean so many things I think sometimes people feel like pleasure is just about sex or sexuality which is definitely part of it but it's also like finding pleasure in each moment in food and in sun and in connection and intimacy and in sensation and texture like there are so many expansive ways to feel pleasure and so feeling that every day and orienting towards that every day is really important for me. Fully embodying the moment. That is something that I think we're also coming online to, you know, Mm -hmm. because before we are usually living in the past for something that we don't want or the future for something that we want. And we were kind of skipping the present moment and it's in the present moment that we have everything that we feel and we can actually transform into the future and transmute the past, but it's only where we can do it is in the present moment. Yeah. Like the present moment is life. Like our life is happening in the present moment. And it feels like devastatingly sad to miss out on that. Like I want to be here. And sometimes being here is incredibly uncomfortable, (laughs) but I still want to be here because this is where this short and beautiful and precious and very, very tiny life is happening. And I feel lucky to get to experience it in its fullness and like wide variety of experiences that the present can deliver. Oh, mama, you are speaking my language. The fact that you wake up and you want to feel you're inviting feeling in is such a beautiful way to start your day because that, again, we've talked about how a lot of people will run away from feeling like we try to numb ourselves from feeling. And I think that's where we've gotten ourselves in a pretty big bind. And so literally making that your practice. I love that one. Like, thank you for bringing that in. Yeah, that's a big practice for me. So much of the healing that I've done is around being able to feel my feelings because I'm like avoidantly attached and learn through my family and religion, like repress, repress, (laughs) feeling anything other than the most positive thing is bad. 
Um, and so to give myself permission and yeah, to actually welcome in full range of feelings is really important to me. Something I'm working with a lot is this feeling in my family that I'm, you know, inherently bad and wrong. Like I'm always doing something bad or being something bad and it's hurtful. It really like, <laughs> it hurts in a deep place. And I think, I don't know, I don't know that it ever doesn't hurt or stops hurting, but it's something I think about a lot and I'm always trying to like offer to myself okay you're not actually bad you're not actually too much and it's actually okay like you are actually fine as you are and also having to accept like where my family is able to meet me and what they're able to see and not see as part of like being in relationship with them if that's something I keep choosing to do Mm, I like that you just put it like that as you're talking I'm like okay how can we bring this together on a healthy way to like be in this duality. Right. And you just said, if I'm choosing to be in relationship with them, then I can come to a place where we can meet in a comfortable spot, but yet I can still be me. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. And I think for me, this all feels super present because we're having this conversation at such an interesting time because I'm actually coming out to my parents tomorrow (laughs) and I know so that's yeah that's been a whole theme of this year as well like knowing that's happening and (laughs) thank you (laughs) oh my gosh you can't if you you know if you're listening you can't see me but there are actual (laughs) there are tears in my eyes because I have just listened to this journey all day yesterday And this is so incredible. I'm just so excited for you. Congratulations. Ah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. And so, yeah, that's part of it. It's like, I'm really tomorrow telling them, you know, like this is my authentic self and do you want to meet me here or do you not? And you know, I'm kind of expecting a not. We don't actually want to meet you there. And that is something to work with and grieve. And that's going to be really complicated and hard, but I'm extending the invitation. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This life, this life just blows my spirit all the time because I was working with this yesterday. Like as Mm. I was listening to everything (laughs) from you and I was working with it, like I said, I have extreme personal experience that I can understand it probably on a level that most people can't, but for time purposes, we just can't get into that today. And my heart is just bursting for you. Something that I'm working with, and this might help you is realizing that other people can't have the reaction that I want them to have. It's Mm -hmm. just not possible, right? Because the reaction I want them to have is the reaction I would have. Mm -hmm. And we all have our own sovereignty. We all have our own experience. Everything that we accumulate in these lives comes to be, how will you react or respond? You know, I prefer responding rather than reacting, but, um, That's something that I I have to deeply sit with that. I have to allow the divine unfolding of their process, not according to my timeline. So that's wild. You are embarking on that tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow. And I think that feels so true. Like, I think sometimes 
spirituality is just reorienting towards the most basic of truths like oh right I can't actually control other people and what they think and say and do and I can have all kinds of feelings and thoughts and reactions about that but that doesn't change the fact that I still can't control it and I'll probably feel a lot better if I don't try to yes Yes. And that, I think that's where I really feel like these practices in higher consciousness come in. It can produce feelings of anxiety and loss and grief, and that can feel really out of control. So when you have a ritual to come back to daily, to recenter, to ground, to embody, you know, yourselves and, and, and your sovereignty and your spirit and um, your strength, then the path that's happening out there can happen as it, as it will. Divine timing is not ego timing. Our ego timing wants things like right now, we want to feel better right now. And you've already got such a deep practice in allowing for the expansion. So you are set up in such a great way. And I'm just, ah, I'm just so (laughs) excited for you. I am going to be holding you tomorrow. I'm see, this Mm. is the thing. Energy emanates. And so even if, you know, they have a different way of processing through their response, I'm going to be holding their light and your light. And that might actually shift the way that they respond. We can do that as a collective for each other. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And yeah, all support is welcomed. (laughs) Okay. Wait. So tomorrow's Saturday and this is coming out Sunday. I'm like, Ooh, maybe we could get like everyone that's listening to this on Sunday, holding the healing bubble around you and your family, but we'll still do it. We'll still do it. It doesn't matter. You know, the, as things unfold, please everyone hold Aaron and her family in your healing bubble, even just spend five minutes doing some breath work and creating that healing bubble around them. Because I promise it will shift. It will shift things for whoever you're holding that light for. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. I love that. (laughs) Last thing I do want to get into a little bit is the breath work and embodiment because we both do this kind of work. I did your breath work meditation this morning. So it's very different than the type of breath work that I do. So just explain a little bit about it and where it came from and how it really resonates with you. Yeah. So the breathwork that I practice doesn't have like a fun, cool name. It's just breathwork. So (laughs) I usually define it as a three-part active breath pattern. And it's really intended to support moving stuck emotional energy, which I think is why it resonates for me so deeply because of what I was sharing about, you know, having all of this healing to do around, oh, it's okay to have a feeling. Oh, you can actually feel your feelings. And oh, that feeling actually won't kill me. And I didn't know that before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this breathwork practice specifically feels so supportive for that, for giving feelings some space to bubble up and be felt and be moved through the body in a safe container. Um, The practice, my teacher's name is David Elliott, and um, the practice itself is rooted in the pranayama tradition in India, like a lot of different breathwork practices. Um, And you know, the first time I did it, I felt like it changed my life. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, I, I want more of this. I really felt in that experience, all of this anger come up. And that was the feeling that was 
most repressed, I think, and most stuck in my body. And I didn't realize how much it was just sitting there and how much I was just holding it and how tight it was and actually how big it was until I came into a space with breathwork where I gave that anger permission to actually be here and said to my anger with my body, you're not bad. You can be here. Let's feel you. I want to hear what you have to say. And in that way, I get to like massage some of that tightness open and let it move um, and create more spaciousness in my body for all of the things and for more of myself. So yeah, if you can't tell, I love breathwork so much. (laughs) I'm deeply grateful for, for the practice. And I think it really is such a practice that is just really helpful for meeting yourself where you are. And, you know, one day anger comes up one day, pleasure, one day joy. And I'm like laughing and one day big grief. And it's all, it's different every time because I'm different every time. And what I need and what's here is always changing. Um, but it's a practice that can meet me with all of it. Yes. Yes. And I feel like it's a very quick access point. Like with breath work, it can happen pretty quickly. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love the, I'm very much an active meditator because I think I am such an embodiment person. And so I know that when I move my body, it actually releases the tissue, which releases my cells, our cells hold all of the knowledge that you would ever need. We've focused so much on the mind, but our body consciousness is really what we came in with, with all of our innate wisdom. I love breath work in that sense, because in order to inhabit ourselves, we get there through the breath. Mm-hmm. And so that's really a lot of my practice and what I work with watching the healing patterns that release in people's bodies is wild. And I want this for everyone. And I think any, anytime we resonate with, um, something therapeutically, spiritually, you know, emotionally, we want everyone to experience it because mm-hmm. it's such a joy. Even when the hard emotions come up, it's kind of, it's actually a natural high because they come up and they leave and we're so used to holding them in and it doesn't feel good when emotions get repressed in our body, but even the hard emotions as they move through and out, it's uplifting, it's releasing, it's lightness. Yeah. I feel so much lighter through that and so much more free and so much more of myself. And it's like a constant checking in and it feels like a forever practice because feelings keep coming up and I can't always feel them in the moment for whatever reason. And so it's not like, oh, I do breath work and I like move my anger and then I'm like, I'm good now. (laughs) It's like, we continue to live. And so we continue to accumulate things and it's a practice that we can always return to and return to and show up for. And that's so beautiful to have. Absolutely. When people ask me, well, how will I know that I should get this work done? I'm like, because you're alive. Did you find the breath work before you started really exploring your sexuality and understanding that journey more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely did. And I said this the other day in an Instagram live I was doing with someone that I don't know if I would have figured out my queerness or like been embodying my queerness without practices like breath work because they've helped me know myself so much more and they've made it also incredibly difficult to lie to myself or to repress parts of myself because they like really connect me with those things and so it's kind of the place of where you finally get to a point or it's like oh 
I know and I see and I can't unknow and I can't unsee. It felt a little bit like that with queerness. And it's not like I had some specific experience in breath work where I was like, oh, I'm gay. <laughs> it wasn't like that, but more of like, I have this practice of being with my body and of moving that energy and feeling those feelings. And through that, I just slowly peel back layer after layer after layer that I've accumulated over like myself and my truth and who I really am. And so over time, it's like, yeah, I feel like practices like breathwork have helped reveal myself to me and my queerness is absolutely part of that. And um, yeah, I don't want to think about my life without <laughs> these practices. I think it would have at least taken me a lot longer than it already did to come into my queerness in the way I have. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. Our body is our truth. And I just, I'm so stoked on how we are inhabiting our bodies in all new ways. So many healing artists and people are coming online for ultimate guiding and support in such a beautiful way. Thank you so much for everything that you do. I would love to hear one of your poems. Is that possible? Oh yeah. Um, you want to give me a second to sure. look at which one, which one I should read? <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm totally surprising you with this. I tend to do that sometimes. No, it's great. <laughs> I love the question. I'm working on my first poetry collection right now. So let's see. Okay. I think I know which one I want to read. All right. We are ready. <laughs> Just a tiny bit of context. Mm -hmm. So I write these Bible blackout poems uh, sometimes. Not all my poems are like that, but some of them are. And this is one of those poems um, and it's called Fragrant Offering. So what that means is like, this is a passage from the Bible that I turned into a poem. Okay. A life of love, a fragrant offering sexuality a holy place for darkness light goodness truth what pleases darkness is shame the secret visible wake up rise live get drunk on debauchery be filled with one another thank yeah. you for sharing i'm curious what brought you to creating bible blackout poems mm, yeah i think I felt drawn to making these kinds of poems as a way to reclaim these stories and reclaim this part of my history. Um, there is so much like Bible knowledge and connection that I hold in my body from this upbringing. And a lot of it to me is really harmful and toxic. And I was talking with my creative writing coach a while back and we were like, wait, why don't I make some blackout poems from the Bible? Um, and I think the point to me is like to use the these passages and these words to um, tell a story that's actually true for me um, versus the story that's actually written. And so I love writing queer Bible poems <laughs> or queer poems using <laughs> Bible passages. Um, it feels healing. It feels like, yeah, making art from something that really hurts. My feeling is, yeah, the more that we could get creative about ways to heal in that sense, the way that you have is so deeply personal instead of like mm -hmm. A plus B equals C, like this is how you heal. <laughs> it just, it's not possible. It's not possible in any facet of life 
we are all so unique down to ourselves. And that means our healing has to be that unique as well. I love that reflection so much because it just feels so true. Like there is no formula. There's no one right way to heal or thing to do that you just don't know about yet. It's like, there's no secret. The secret is like, listen to yourself and trust yourself. And if you think something would be healing for you, like then follow that and see what happens. I, yeah, I just love that reflection of healing being so personal and so non-linear and there's no formula. Right. And the more you get in touch with yourself, your intuition will tell you exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cause we know, we know, we, if really we do know. know. Yeah. Right before I was going to do the last question, I was going to reverse your last question on you and ask you what living open meant to you, but you actually answered it in the beginning when we talked about your podcast. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, well that question's out of the way. (laughs) So let's just move to the last question now. Obviously you have a podcast. So who is one of your dream guests and why? (laughs) This is like a niche answer, but when I saw that you were going to ask me this, I immediately was just like, oh, my partner is my dream guest. (laughs) Um, Because I feel like our relationship is a deeply corrective and deeply healing experience. Um, and there's so much that I'm learning in this container with this amazing person that I'm so in love with. And I think it would be so much fun and so beautiful to have a conversation with them and share some stories and also just like embody that. So maybe one day we'll do that. Cause I could actually do that. <laughs> yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for that answer. I am feeling into it. The last podcast I just released was all about conscious and intentional and in li- aligned love. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is an extension of that. As you just mm-hmm. spoke of all of the healing and the container that your relationship has provided for, I'm sure both of you it's really wild. I, I just, I'm so stoked on these spirit connections and these unions that are really coming to be instead of the relationships we were supposed to have, or that we're oh, going to complete us. You know what I mean? It's like a uh-huh. union of reflection and healing work that has this bonus of like deep romantic love. <laughs> yeah, it's so beautiful. Oh my God. I feel so lucky. <laughs> Oh, uh, fantastic. Can I ask how you met? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we met during the pandemic. Uh, It does happen. It did happen. Um, I don't know if people are you are familiar with the app Lex, but it's like queer classified ads. There's no photos or anything, Um, but picture like old school newspaper classifieds. And I posted a classified ad and We went on a date to a park um, over the winter in Philly, where we live, and it was freezing cold, and we just had a really beautiful connection from the beginning, and it's just gotten more and more beautiful, more beautiful than I could ever imagine or had any idea was possible in life, so... Yeah. It's so good. Oh my gosh. So good. And I love that because I keep talking about the theme that we're moving forward, but yet we're, 
we're coming back into our divinity and our magic and our abilities in these human bodies. And I feel like this is a prime example of going back to the classified ad (laughs) where Uh we're taking out kind of like the ego, um, you know, the, I don't even know, know what to call it, but like the unconscious swiping and just like the stories that we tell ourselves from a picture and you're actually hearing and feeling the words of someone and the sentiment of someone. So I, I feel, yeah, I love that. I, I just, that felt really good. I'm like, yeah, back to the classified ads. Yeah. Flew <laughs> <laughs> <it> way back. <laughs> uh, what a wonderful moment that you both sparked together. And now here you are embarking on such a huge piece of your journey tomorrow. I am so stoked. I'm on your Instagram because I have a feeling that I'm going to get to hear and feel how this unfolds a little bit, Um, maybe in your podcast as well, (laughs) but please tell everyone how they can take a deep dive as well, because it really will create such a beautiful personal journey for you gathering all of this energy from a beautiful healing artist named Aaron Johnson. Thank you. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at E R Y N J underscore. And my podcast, like you've mentioned is living open. It's my, my heart project. Um, and you can find that and all my work and workbooks and all those kinds of things at living open.com. Yeah. And I just want to say you have a free seven minute breath meditation that you give out with your newsletter, correct? Yep. That's right. (laughs) Yes. I did it this morning. It's a great way to start your day. I mean, any kind of breath work, there's so many different types out there and just finding the one that you resonate with and creating that place of movement and flow at the beginning of your day can only create a much more beautiful day in those moments that you have. So Aaron, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for answering the call and connecting and thank you for creating a pretty deep journey for me just Mm -hmm. by the deep dive that I took. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. You asked such beautiful questions and yeah, it's so sweet to hear about all the similarities in our journeys too. Ah, yes. All right. Well, um, oh my gosh, holding the healing bubble, all of the light and all of the heart space intention for everyone involved. I'm already starting it right now. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Ah, okay. Um, we'll have a beautiful day, Erin, and I'm sure we'll be in touch. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm going to sign off for now y'all. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> And with that, let's normalize the struggles, celebrate the quirks, and lean into the light. From myself and Beezus the Brave, happy Wild Heart Revolution, friends. The mic is going through and it's all recording You sound good to me. Okay. (laughs) Does it sound warm and buttery? (laughs) Warm and buttery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha